May I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Who do you say that I am? Now those are some open-ended questions. Two questions that cut to the heart of our faith. Two questions directing our gaze first outward and then inward. In our reading this morning, Jesus is at a turning point in his ministry. He's in Caesarea Philippi, which is about as far as you can go from Jerusalem and still be in Israel. And from that point on, Jesus will literally turn and have his face set towards Jerusalem and all that awaits him there. It's time for him to stick a finger up in the air and see which way the wind is blowing. What do people believe? What have they heard and what are they thinking? Do the people of Israel understand Jesus' ministry and his message? And do those who know him best, those who have walked and talked, eaten and slept alongside him, do they really understand? So Jesus asks these two challenging questions. The first question, who do the people say that I am, has been the center of theological debates for centuries. Since at least the first church councils in Nicaea and Constantinople in the fourth century, people have debated over Jesus' existence, authenticity, humanity, divinity, relationship to God the Father and to the Holy Spirit, and even Jesus' own self-understanding. From the institutional church's perspective, this question has been the boundary between orthodoxy, which is right glory or right belief, and heresy. The Nicene Creed, which we say during the Holy Eucharist, dates from the year 325, and it was one of the first attempts to fully explain the answer to, who did the people say that I am? The words and the phrases used in the creed express complex and abstract concepts, and they were chosen very carefully. Lengthy arguments ensued over almost every word before the creed was completed, and it remains a statement of faith that has survived virtually unchanged for nearly 1,700 years. But even with our creeds trying to identify who Jesus is, for us, is like trying to wrap our arms around the wind. We can describe what we think we know and what we think we believe about Jesus but we cannot even begin to circumscribe who Jesus really is. In both the Nicene and the Apostles' Creeds, which cover all persons of the Trinity, notice that the second paragraphs, which correspond to the second person of the Trinity, who became incarnate in Jesus, is also the longest ones. We seem to know the most about Jesus, or at least we think we do, and yet we are still at a loss for adequate words. 
There has never been and probably never will be any clear-cut, mutually agreeable response for all of us as to who Jesus is. And that's okay. Even though there is no consensus, and even though we will never have the fullness of a complete answer, we still need to wrestle with it, ponder it, keep stirring that question around. But Jesus' second question, who do you say that I am, gets more to the heart of this matter. Now both of his questions are addressed to the disciples. The disciples have responded to Jesus' first question by looking outward to the crowd that's gathered around them. But the second question is meant to make those disciples look inward. Who do you say that Jesus is? Who do I say that Jesus is? This is the question that, just as with those disciples, directs all of us to look inside ourselves. Ultimately, it's the defining question of our individual spiritual journeys. Our individual answers today to this question may be very different than what we would have said yesterday, or at the beginning of March, or even what we might say tomorrow. We know at least how one of the disciples answered this question. Peter said, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon, says Jesus, because you didn't come to this on your own, but through God's revelation to you. You see, Peter's identification of Jesus as the Messiah is not the result of his own intelligence or of some insider knowledge. It was a gift from God. And divine revelation can take on a variety of appearances, but it's perhaps most often found in the day-to-day, -day, ordinary experiences that we all have in our lives. Divine revelation, active and abundant all around us, allows us to know with certainty in our hearts just who Jesus is for us. And that willingness to be open to God working in our lives, revealing God's self to us in all kinds of ways, that is what faith is. And collectively, that is what becomes the foundation of the church the ability to proclaim Jesus as the Christ is indeed a gift to us, and in turn, our gift to the world. I tell you, you are the rock, Petra, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, that's death, will not prevail against it. Peter, despite all his shortcomings, will somehow find that rock, that foundation, within himself. Each of us, despite our shortcomings, finding that rock within and reaching out to help others do the same is what the church is all about. 
This passage is one of only two places in the Gospels where the word church is actually used. In Greek, it's ekklesia, ekklesia, ekklesia. And its literal meaning is to be called out, meaning an assembly. Those disciples and all the saints, past, present, and those yet to be, form an endless line of people who are continually being called out by God. We are called out to receive that divine revelation of God at work in the world and are called to be servants of that work. And nothing, not even death, can separate us from that calling. Nothing can destroy what we are about in this world. Who do the people say that I am? Jesus asked the disciples. Perhaps we, the church, should ask, who do the people say that Jesus is based on how we represent the body of Christ on earth? Can people tell by looking at us who Jesus is? And if so, then what does that look like? How are we bearing that divine revelation to the world around us, to our neighbors, our classmates, our co-workers, and our families? How do we as a congregation represent Jesus in this community? Do we confess Jesus, who Jesus is for us by our day-to-day -day interactions with others at the grocery store or at the gas station or driving down the Beltline? Who do you say that I am? Theologian and Lutheran pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer, shortly before he was executed by the Nazis in Germany, wrote, who is Jesus Christ for us today? That is the question that should hold a central place in all of our lives. That's where the rubber meets the road for those of us who profess to be Christians. It's the question no one else can answer for us. And it's the question for which no single answer is adequate. It was the turning point for Jesus in his earthly life when he asks those questions of the people and of his disciples. And it will be the turning point in our earthly lives and our lives together as the church when we begin to answer them as well.